You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Today's message is qualified. In this message, we will talk about what qualifies us for heaven. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. One of the most popular shows on television, matter of fact, it's never been off television during my lifetime, is the Andy Griffith Show. Anybody ever heard of the Andy Griffith Show? Anybody watch the Andy Griffith Show? If you don't, you won't go in the rapture, but it's okay. In season 4, episode 6... Gomer, anybody remember Gomer Pyle? He loses his job at the gas station and moves in with Andy and his family. And that's a disaster. There's a scene where Gomer is going to check on a job at the market for an experienced butcher. And Andy asks him, do you know anything about cutting meat? And Gomer replies, you think they will ask me about that? Do you know there are careers in our society that require certain certifications? If you never went to college and you just graduated high school, chances are they will not hire you to be a brain surgeon. Am I preaching okay? You cannot be a medical doctor without the proper training and certification. Teachers require a certain level of education and state certification. When you apply for a job in most jobs, especially more professional jobs, they ask you to submit a resume and references to prove that you are qualified for that position. I thought about cutting hair, but I found out that you had to go to school and learn how to cut hair. You can't just go up the street and start a barbershop and say, Terry's Barbershop, two heads for $10. You can't do it because you don't have to have certification. You've got to be qualified. This morning, I want to talk to you about what it means to be qualified. What is it that qualifies me to go to heaven? What does the Bible say about being qualified? What is it that qualifies me for heaven? What is required to gain entrance into the celestial city of God? Will a loving God deny an individual entrance into heaven? I believe that we've lost our mooring in this nation. Psalms 11 verse 3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We now call good evil and evil good. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I've not come this morning to condemn anybody. I've not come to point my finger in judgment because the Bible says in John three seventeen. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. My message today is not a message of condemnation. My message is not a message of judgmental uh, condemnation, but it is a message of hope. One of my favorite scriptures, and one of best favorite scriptures, is found in Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've simply come this morning to share with you what the Bible says about eternity. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to let the Word of God speak for itself. You see, some would say there's no eternity. This life is all that there is. I remember as a young boy, my dad owned a service station, and I would go up as a young teenager about 13 years of age 
just a few years ago, and I would work for him in that service station business, and I would pump gas and clean out the grease racks and, and stock the shelves and do all the things that he would have me to do, and he was trying to teach me the value of hard work and how to earn money, and he never was a real good paymaster. Come on, somebody. He didn't pay real well. But I remember there was a guy, his name was Johnny, and he worked at the station. We had a, had a BP station, and there was a Shell station right next door, and it was a truck stop. It was right up on Highway 81 and 85 in Anderson. And uh, he would come over, and he would talk to the people that worked for us. And I'll never forget, he'd come over one day. They were talking. I was just a young, young man, just a young teenager, but I was a Christian. I was serving the Lord. I was in church. And he made a statement that I have never forgotten. He said, you know, this life is all that there is. Therefore, I've got to grab all the gusto that I can get as I walk through this life. And some would say, this is all there is. But I've come to tell you, the Word of God it says differently. What does the Word of God say about eternity? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Note those words, after this. That tells us there's more to this life than just what we are experiencing now. In John chapter 3, verse 13 through 16, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life listen there's no limit on that there, there's no expiration date on that that doesn't say just people that go to the Pentecostal holiness church that says whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved that's you that's me that's everyone that will call on his name they can experience everlasting life can somebody say amen first john 5 11, this is the testimony that god has given us eternal life and this life is in his son first john 5 verse 20 and we know the son of god has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son jesus christ this is the true god and eternal life second corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 for we know that if our earthly house this tent is destroyed we have a building from god a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens in first timothy chapter 6 verse 12 fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life to which you're also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses i've come by to tell you that the word of god makes it very clear that there is a life eternal there is a life beyond this life listen the Bible says this life is a vapor. I may live to be 100. I may live to be 101. I may live to be 104. I may live, I don't know. I don't have the promise of tomorrow, but here's what I know. There is a heaven that God has prepared for me. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. In my Father's house are many mansions. Come on, somebody. I would have told you if it wasn't true, but he says I go to prepare that place for you there is an eternity for you and for me today can you say amen so what is it that qualifies us for for heaven well first corinthians chapter 9 let's talk about before we talk about what qualifies us let's talk about being disqualified what is it that disqualifies us from heaven First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should also become disqualified. 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, The soul who sins shall die. Hebrews 10, 26, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Have you ever heard the expression, I have good news and I have bad news? I have good news and I have bad news. Do you want the good news first or the bad news first? And we'll usually say, give me the bad news first. I want to process that and then I want to be encouraged with the good news. Here's the bad news. The wages of sin is death. But you want the good news? The latter part of that verse says in, in Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, we're sinners. Yes, we have a, a situation. But there is a remedy, and that remedy is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the blood of the Lamb of Calvary that was shed for you and for me. And that, my friends, is what qualifies us to go to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. In John chapter 3. Beginning with verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What is this free gift? It is the gift of salvation. I stand before you today qualified for heaven, not because I have papers in a denomination, not because of my family lineage, not because of my social standing, not because of my portfolio, not because of who I am, not because of anything that I've done, but I stand today qualified because as a young boy, I prayed to receive Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I bowed my knees in an old-fashioned altar, and I said, I'm a sinner. I have wronged you. I have sinned against you. I have rebelled against you. And I said, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all of our sins. If we'll confess our sins to him, and let me tell you, as a young boy, he came and he transformed my life. He changed my life, and my life is never the same. And I'm not standing here today qualified from he for heaven because of anything that I've done. As a matter of fact, I was disqualified because of what I've done. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I've come by to tell you that Jesus came by, and he found a young boy, and he turned my heart towards the things of God. And today, I have a home in heaven. If the rapture takes place this afternoon, if the trumpet of God sounds, if the Lord comes to my house and said son it's time to come home I'm going to step through the veil of this life and this flesh and I'm going to step into that city whose builder and maker is God why because I'm qualified by the blood of the lamb of Calvary somebody ought to give God praise in this house so this morning very quickly there are three things I want to tell you that will qualify you for eternity number one we're qualified through the blood of Jesus John 1, 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In our sinful condition, we could not approach a holy God. Hebrews 9, 22, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. 
Isaiah 59, verse 2, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Jesus Christ became our substitute at Calvary. He opened a new and living way for you and I to approach a holy God. Isaiah 59, verse 2, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. He died so that we might live. I love the words of the old hymn that we sing from time to time, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He died our death. Remember, the scripture said the wages of sin is death. When you go to work, at some point you expect at the end of the week, at the end of the month, every two weeks, you expect for them to pay you. The highest wage that sin can pay is death. That's not necessarily physical death, but that's spiritual death. That's separation from God. It ultimately leads to physical death. That's the highest wage. But Jesus went to the cross and died our death. Hallelujah. Galatians 3.13, listen to what it says. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus atoned for our sins. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of the God. And from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, and by one offering he is perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Jesus Christ shed his blood so that we may be forgiven and cleansed from our sins. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 2, 12 through 13, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let me read that to you from the New Living Translation. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. According to the Apostle Paul, we have forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. What is it that qualifies me for heaven? What is it that makes me ready for heaven? It is the blood of the Lamb of Calvary. It is the blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious, come on somebody, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We are qualified by the blood. But secondly, we're qualified through grace. We're qualified through grace. Jesus said in John 3, 3, you must be born again. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
In a few minutes, we're going to baptize believers in water. But we're not saved through baptism. In a few weeks, we may open the doors of this church and ask people who have not become members to become members of this congregation, but that does not guarantee you heaven. Our good deeds and our good works, we can feed the poor, we can do all kinds of good works, all kinds of charitable deeds, but that does not qualify us for heaven. The Bible teaches that we're saved by grace. Not of works, but by grace. Ephesians 2, 9 says it is the gift of God. What is grace? Let me give you a definition. Grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely, the peace of God given to the restless, and the unmerited favor of God. B.B. Warfield said grace is the free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserving. John Stott said grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. Warren Wearsby writes, he said, Grace means salvation completely apart from any merit or works on our part. Grace means that God does it all for Jesus' sake. Our salvation is the gift of God. Now, grace is far more than just that, but for this sermon in this time, I'm going to preach about the unmerited favor of God. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, listen to what it says. For God who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Every person in this room today who's experienced salvation, it's because of the grace of God. Listen to this. Love is one of God's intrinsic attributes. But when this love is related to sinners, it becomes grace and mercy. God is rich in mercy and in grace, and these riches make it possible for sinners to be saved. It comes as a shock to some people when they discovered that we are not saved by God's love, but by God's mercy and grace. In his mercy, he does not give us what we do deserve, and in grace, he gives us what we do not deserve. All of this is made possible because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. During the pandemic, the Congress got together and they passed a stimulus. Now they keep passing stimuluses. Every place I have gone to in this city seems like they got a help warning sign hanging in the door. And I said, why are nobody working? They said, because they're making more money drawing unemployment. I said, well, where do you sign up? They had what they called the PPP loans, personal payroll protection. And they made those available. And before the ink was dried, most of the money had already run out. Businesses started applying and different ones. And I know some said, we don't have any more funds available for that. So Congress had to come along and say, we're going to print more money and make more money available for these loans there was a limit your bank account has a limit if you spend more money than what you have in the bank you'll get a notice from the bank greetings non-sufficient funds or insufficient funds that means things run out but I want you to see this he's rich in mercy he's rich in grace it is an unlimited supply Hallelujah. 
That means no matter what I've done, where I've been, who I've done it with, how far I've run from God, that I cannot outrun his grace and I cannot exhaust the supply of his mercy. And this morning he stands ready to extend his grace and extend his mercy to every one of us this morning in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, and give God praise. Romans 3, 24 and 25, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God passed over the sins that were previously committed. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. A.W. Tozer writes, he said, Grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits upon the undeserving. Its use to us, sinful men, is to save us and make us set together in heavenly places to demonstrate to the ages the exceeding riches of God's kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Grace qualifies us for heaven. And then my last point is simply this. We are qualified through our faith in Christ. It is simple faith I have to believe that's it wait a minute pastor I don't have to jump through hoops I don't have to take a class I don't I don't have to join the church no you simply believe hallelujah hallelujah but how many of you remember when you prayed listen I've led people to the Lord in hospitals nursing homes I prayed with people in the department stores. I prayed with people in church settings, youth camp settings, youth services. And I've watched people have all kinds of different reactions. I remember some years ago I was pastoring Beth and I. Kelly was just a, a little girl. And one Sunday morning we had three couples that came and got, gave their hearts to the Lord. And as far as I know, all of those are still serving the Lord. And that's been many, many years ago. And one couple came, and man, they, they, just, they just shed tears, and they cried, and, you know, and, and I'm a Pentecostal, so I like that. Come on, I, you know, show some emotion. <laughs> the other couple came, and they had expressions and emotion. The third couple came up there. We prayed. I don't think they even smiled. That's the truth. They went back down and sat down, and I thought, well, did they get it? Did they really get it? You know, they're still serving God to this day. And I learned something as a young preacher. Man, it's not about emotion. It's about what happens in the heart. Hallelujah. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God made it so simple that a child could do it. Listen to what it says in Romans 10, 9 through 11. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. We call this saving faith. Romans 12, 3 says, God has given each individual a measure of faith. You know that God has put a measure of faith in every individual's heart. And if they'll hear the word and the Spirit of God, the Bible said no man comes to the Father except the Spirit of God draws them. 
and we'll hear the word and we will act on that, that's when the transaction takes place and we're saved. Romans 12, 3 says God has given to each a measure, the, a measure of faith. And we activate that faith when we hear the word. Listen to Acts 16, verse 25, at midnight. Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. The prisoners were listening to them. They are shut up in prison. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said this, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In verse 31, they said this, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved in your household. Albert Einstein was traveling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle punching tickets. Einstein reached in his vest pocket. He could not find his ticket. So he reached in his trouser pockets. It wasn't there, so he looked in his briefcase, but still could not find it. He looked in the seat next to him, but it was not there. And the conductor kindly said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket, but don't worry about it. The conductor then continued on his way, and he was clicking the tickets. And he looked back, and he, when he turned around, and he saw the great scientist on his hands and knees looking under his seat for his ticket. The conductor rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are. No problem. You don't need a ticket. Einstein said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. My question to you this morning is, where are you going? Where will you spend eternity? What qualifies me for heaven? Being a good person? No. What qualifies me for heaven? My religious affiliation? No. What qualifies me for heaven? Good works and good deeds? No. What qualifies me for heaven is to be born again by the Spirit of God. Would you stand with me this morning? He loves us this morning. The Bible says He loves us with an everlasting love. I'm a father. I have a beautiful daughter and God has blessed me with. I'm thankful for her. And I've told her throughout her life, there's nothing that you can ever do that will make me stop loving you. No matter where you at or what's going on, when everybody else has forsaken you, I said, you can call me and your mom and we'll come get you. We'll come find you because you belong to us. That's the way our Heavenly Father is today. The Bible says if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who love Him? There are people in this room today, if we look back in our past, if we look back at our past mistakes, if we look back at things we've done, man, we wouldn't want that on the front page. We'd be ashamed of those things. We did those because we were sinners. Sometimes people ask me, say, why do people act the way they do? I say, well, it's their nature. It's their nature. Sin 
But there's a remedy today, and his name is Jesus. And here's the thing. He don't just qualify you for heaven. There's nothing greater or better than serving the Lord. You say, Pastor, if I serve the Lord, does that shield me from trouble? No. You're going to have troubles and trials in this life. But now you have a source beyond your own. You have a wisdom beyond your wisdom. You have a knowledge beyond your knowledge. You have a grace beyond your own to walk through those storms and through those trials. Beth and I have been married for 33 years. I've loved every moment of it, honestly. I'm thankful for my wife and for our union together. In those 33 years, we've weathered some storms. We've walked through some hard places. We've had good times and we've had challenging times. And in the challenging times, that's when I had to press into God more. Nineteen ninety-four, we lost our first child. I've testified about it the last few weeks. People came to me and says, Are you gonna are you gonna move away from God? I said, No. I'm not going to move away from God. I need him now more than I've ever needed him. We don't move away from God in the hard places. We move to him. And when you know him and you're his child, he makes a way for you in the midst of hardship and difficulty. As I look out over this congregation, I know many of your lives and I know many of the challenges that you're facing. Some that's in the hospital this morning, it's been a challenging year for them. One thing after another. One diagnosis after another. Positive. Cancer. In the hospital. And I've known, and we've had challenges right here in this congregation, in this church. But in the midst of those challenges, we pray. We talk to God. And God comes to us. And He helps us. I don't know how people live and face life without the Lord. I don't know how you face death of a loved one without the Lord. And this morning, I just want to encourage you. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you qualified? Have you made preparations? When I'm going to travel overseas, and I haven't in a long time, and don't plan to anytime soon, I remember the first time that Pastor Zach and I went to Panama, I complained the whole time I was looking the tickets up. And we got the tickets for $333. And we said, we better buy these tickets and go. It must be the will of God. But we had to be prepared. We had to have our tickets to get on that plane. Couldn't show up the day of the flight and say, you got room? We had to have our tickets. We had to make preparation. This morning, God wants you to make preparation for eternity. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed for a moment. God's dealing with your heart, if God's speaking to you today, if you know I'm not ready, should the Lord call me home today? Should the Lord knock on my door? I'm not ready. Should the trumpet sound, I'd be left behind. How about it, friend? Have you prayed? Have you asked the Lord? to touch you and minister to you. Very quickly, you say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. 
I need God to touch me. I want to be qualified for heaven. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to say anything to you. It's just between me, you, and God. Slip up your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Would you pray? That's me. That's me. I need to pray. I need to ask Jesus into my heart, into my life. Are you qualified today for eternity? Hallelujah. Would everyone in this room pray this prayer with me? Just pray this prayer. I don't want to embarrass anyone. We're not here to single anybody out. Man, we're not here to point any fingers at anybody. I'm not better than anybody. I just have a better covenant. That's all. Man, I'm not better than people that are out in the world. I'm just redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's all. How about it, friend? Would you pray this prayer with me? Father, I'm a sinner. I confess my sins. You're faithful and just to forgive me. I ask for your forgiveness in Jesus' name. By faith, through grace, I believe and I declare I'm a child of the King. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise and give him praise.